Welcome to the Culture Wise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saint people with wisdom and grace. Being LDS is not just about attending a certain church, it's a cultural identity. And not all LDS are the same, but they all share to some degree a common sense of identity. My name is Daniel Schugert, and I'm here joined by Ross Anderson. Ross, how can we take this into account as we witness or even disciple Latter-day Saints? Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Well, first of all, we, we said that not all LDS are the same. And yet, there's this tension between individual, unique experiences of Mormonism, individual, unique personalities, where people grew up and so forth. All of that creates a lot of distinction within the broad tapestry of Mormonism. There's a whole spectrum of kinds of Mormons, in a sense, and we might talk about that one of these days, um, different kinds or classes of Mormons. But they all have a great deal in common because of the formative nature of LDS culture. So what, what I want to do today is, is talk about the LDS identity, talk about the differences and the similarities, and talk about some of the factors that shape that identity that make an LDS person who they are. And then we'll close by um, talking about some of the implications of that for, for ministry and life and interactions with LDS people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so w- what are some of the differences between LDS people that y- you've encountered? Yeah, you, you, as you live among LDS people for a little while, you, it doesn't take long to realize that um, a lot of Latter-day Saints really have different personal beliefs, because Mormonism doesn't demand um, conformity about doctrine. There's, no, no, there's really no formal statement of faith or anything that functions as a as a regulative document in Mormonism, what they really want is for you to be loyal and to be active in the church. So you can have a, a wide variety of, of opinions about different belief ideas, all within, now there's a central core worldview, but within that central core worldview, differences could be, could, of belief could be significant. And then along with differences of beliefs, Different LDS people have different levels of loyalty or personal identification, how assimilated they are into the LDS culture. They might see themselves as very strongly LDS, a true blue Mormon. We call them TBMs, or they call themselves that, or or some of them are what have been historically called Jack Mormons, which is like, you know, someone who's culturally Mormon only. And you can actually make a create a grid on on one axis. You can have the level of belief. On the other axis, you can have the level of loyalty. So you have people with high belief and high loyalty, people with low belief and low loyalty, and everything in between. But they still share the LDS cultural traits. There's a lot of differences regionally between people who live in the LDS heartland versus people who live elsewhere where Mormons have moved and settled. So I grew up in Southern California. Uh, Mormonism there is somewhat different in its flavor than Mormonism now at where I live now in Utah. Uh, There's definitely generational differences, and this has been well documented in the last couple of years, how um, Latter-day Saints in in the builder or the baby boomer generation have very different views about some of the um, issues than younger millennial or or uh, Gen X Mormons have, different attitudes about their faith and what their faith means to them. 
And there's, I've noticed differences too between people who are converted into Mormonism as an adult versus people who grew up in the LDS church. We call them birthright saints. And so those are, there's, those are all spectrums, but, but within those, those various facets of difference, there's still this underlying cultural identity that kind of ties Mormons of different stripes together. Yeah, I've been very surprised by some LDS friends of mine when I inquire and am asking about some of their specific beliefs, they share things that I would not have expected them to share. And then I remembered that they're from a different state. And so it's really noticeable, uh, even some of the expressed beliefs that may be different from someone who has lived in and grown up in Utah versus someone from a, a different state. But they're still both just as Mormon. They still carry this cultural identity. So what is it? What is it, as you understand, that is the link that they all share, or at least the majority of them share, but can find expressions in many different ways? Right. The, the underlying, the question of identity is a question of, who do I see myself as? Who am I? And so for Latter-day Saints, of course, everybody, every human being has, uh, has various different um, social roles or social personas, whatever you might say, social identities, is how we relate to other people around us. So, so um, when, I'm, when, my, when I take my kids to their sports, you know, I'm, my, my role, my social role is I'm, I'm a parent like all the other parents on the sideline who are cheering for their kids. Um, but, you know, you, might, you, you have, might have a social role as a dentist, and so that's how you interact with your patients. You may be, you may be LDS, but you may not, in, in that dentist chair, you may not, although some may, interact with your patients as a Latter-day Saint. You're interacting with them as a dentist. So whether you're a, whether you're a coach or whether you're um, running for a candidate for the school board, um, you're gonna your Mormonism is gonna be more muted or less muted if you're in your role as a priesthood holder in your home or as a or as a local official in the local Mormon congregation. Then you're gonna have different. Um, but th- this strong sense of shared common life, shared identity, shared culture that says who am I? And most LDS people are gonna when they asked. If you, if you were to ask them, who are you at the core, they're going to say, somewhere in there, I'm, I'm a Latter-day Saint. Somewhere in the mix, maybe the first thing they say, mm-hmm. maybe the third or fourth thing they say, they say, well, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or in the past, I'm a Mormon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for many Latter-day Saints, their identity as that is very central to, to who they are. They may, they may be a dentist, but more important to them is their faith or their membership or their identity with the LDS culture. Yeah, it reminds me of a guy. I remember this is, it was a formative experience when I was fairly new in Utah. I got, as a pastor, I got called out to somebody's home late at night. It was one o'clock. They were having a domestic dispute of some kind, this, this family that was tangentially related to our church. And um, I got there. And there's, a, there's some kind of a little party going on or something like that. There are other people in the family. And I started in this conversation. There was this one guy. He, he, was, he had been drinking. It was quite clear he'd been drinking alcohol, which is forbidden in Mormonism. And he had hair like way down his back, which would not be according to what they call church standards. 
that as a as a guy to have long hair. He he was not active in the LDS church, but very quickly in the conversation, he began defending Joseph Smith and defending Mormonism. And so I was kind of surprised because I thought this guy obviously doesn't live it. He he's not interested in the church's uh, ethical or moral standards. It doesn't appear to be, and yet his identity was Mormon so that he felt like he needed to defend his people or his, you know, whatever, whatever that meant to him. It was a core of who he was. I was very surprised that he would say, you know, you know he would take a stand for those things. Mm-hmm. So what factors lead to a person having such a, a heartfelt identity in their culture? Yeah, you can think about this. I mean, every culture creates an identity. And so as Americans, now American is a polyglot culture, so you may have an identity that was shaped by where you grew up in the Midwest or in the South or the, or the New England or whatever it may be. You might have a part of that identity is shaped by, you know, your ethnicity. Part of it is maybe shaped by your, your age or your generation. So those things are at work. Part of it is shaped by, you know, your, your formative experiences. All those things are true then in Mormonism too. And so they're true for all of us. Uh, because we all have culture, we all live in the in the fishbowl of culture. So four things that really I think strongly shape the LDS identity. The first one is a shared community life. Now again, that's true for every every cultural group. It's the stuff that people do together that creates a sense of who they are. And so it might be the block party that in your neighborhood, or if you go to a different church, you have the church potluck or. Or, uh, you know, whatever it might be, the things you do together. But in Mormonism, it starts with Sunday morning, the Sunday services. They're not necessarily morning. They could be in the afternoon, but Sunday meetings, because those create a rhythm. The church's gatherings, their formal, uh, regular weekly gatherings, create a pattern or a rhythm for people. It's a rhythm of life that's the same everywhere. I remember growing up where we, we traveled across the country one summer and we went to church to a, a local Mormon congregation they called the Ward. We went to church in Virginia. I'm from California. Everybody was dressed the same as they were in California. The service was the same. It was like a little slice of this common um, world that we walked into and we were immediately at home. It was the same. So that kind of creates a sense of who I am. And then and in talking about shared community life, there's social and ritual experiences that bond people together. Includes all kinds of social events. The LDS people have all kinds of, um, you know, war dinners and, and uh, drama presentations and uh, sports was a big part for me growing up in the church. LDS church was sports, youth sports, um, all, all kinds of social connections that bind people together, and there's involvement in service projects, in education, um, you know, education classes that you can take with other LDS people. Um, there, are, there are church publications that everybody subscribes to, so you're hearing the same message. And, and so these kind of shared events, these kind of shared community life that reinforces that sense of who we are, that we are these people. Yeah, it's really a, a, a regular pattern that has such power to make a person look out at a community and say, well, these are my people, these are my people. And that really indicates 
a sense of cultural identity. And I agree, these, these weekly patterns, the expectations that provide comfort and security, like wherever you go, if you're a Latter-day Saint and attend a sacrament meeting, you have some degree of expectation and that brings comfort and security and a sense of being at home. Exactly. So what else? What else can help form this cultural identity? Well, uh, the second thing of the four is what I'm calling rites of passage. And every culture has rites of passage. In other words, rites of passage are milestones that mark your life journey, and those milestones tend to reinforce your belongingness. So... You know whether it's whether it's in Africa and and you I, I don't know the legends are out there that you know you as a young man you go off on some kind of an isolated experience and maybe you slay a lion I don't know what it is but or in different cultures there's there's different um, different ritual actions that mark my connectedness to these people and and mark inclu- in, increasing inclusion into uh, the group life. So Mormonism has its own uh, rites of passage. In other words, things that you participate in, but outsiders don't participate in. And that's one of the, th- one of the things that makes it so formative, because it's unique and, and exclusive. And when you go through them, then it, it underscore, underscores that belongingness. So in Mormonism, it starts with an infant blessing. Now, as an infant at two weeks old, you're not participating in the meaning of that, but your whole family is. They're saying this, this means we're part of this. We're in this group. You have your, your baptism at age eight is a, is a very powerful thing. Um, if you're a young man, you'll have priesthood ordination at around age 12, which is another rite of passage. It says, you know, it, it invests you with the next layer of belongingness. Um, as a teenager, you might get a patriarchal blessing. Um, if you don't get a patriarchal blessing, you, you, you're going to feel a little bit like an outsider. Um, you're going to you potentially can, are going to serve a mission, and for men and increasingly for women, as a young adult at age 18 or 19 years old, that's a powerful, powerful rite of passage that creates a huge loyalty and investment in in this culture and these people. Um, then, then coming back from your mission, you're encouraged to be married in the temple. A, a, again, a very unique ceremony that's different in many ways from a civil wedding, and, 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 it, and it marks you off as special, as uh, not everybody can do that. Then when you have children, and then uh, as you advance in the hierarchy of the church to higher positions of authority and of responsibility, all of these things work together to... Um, mark that you are part of this people. Yeah, and I've noticed that many of those milestones that you just mentioned are very closely related to the family. And this sense of family also contributes to a sense of identity. It's, it's the sense of belongingness. It's the idea of we're, we're doing this together. Um, and it really contributes to a, a loyalty I've found that there's, there's a lot of loyalty in my Latter-day Saints friends um, to the church, to the prophet, to Joseph Smith, but even to the family. And their sense of identity is really driven by their loyalty to their, to their family. That's a great observation because of the central role that family has in LDS culture and in the LDS worldview. So ultimately, 
um, where you end up, your ultimate eternal destiny is linked to your to your family relationships. And so that's a that's a really good observation. And you see how those two interplay with each other. Your your loyalty to the church and your loyalty to the family are there's probably not a not a thick line between them. They probably bleed over into each other, right? So if you leave the church, then you leave your family. Or if you break with your family, you might be more likely to break with the church. So we've looked at a couple factors that shape the LDS cultural identity. One is some some regular patterns. Two, some rites of passage, some milestones to mark life. What else? Well, the well, a big one is the conversion experience. Um, so when a person joins the church, they're called a convert uh, because they've been converted to it, right? And a key step in that conversion process is you meet with the missionaries and they they share with you the pathway into the church, a key step is your, the convert, the potential convert, is encouraged to seek this specific kind of conversion experience, whereby then through that experience they gain a testimony of the truthfulness of the church. But it's not just converts. So if you grew up in the church, membership in the church is not enough. You were baptized at age eight and all the other things I mentioned. Membership is not enough. If you grew up in the church, they're also continually exhorted to gain a testimony. In other words, to seek a conversion experience of their own so that it, it becomes solid for them and real for them. So, so conversion, whether it's for the new convert or whether it's the person born in the church, that involves coming to this place of unwavering confidence that the LDS church is true, that the, that the person who leads the church is a prophet, that the Book of Mormon is true, that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, assertions like that. And that happens through a particular unique kind of spiritual or emotional experience where people are urged to engage in sincere prayer, asking God to prove to them, to show to them the reality of these things, and they expect God to bear witness to their spirit through an emotional experience or spiritual experience. It's a warm, affirming feeling, a positive feeling. When I have that, I go, oh, God just showed me that the church is true, and now I have no doubt about it. And so whatever we might think about the source or the validity of that experience, that's a conversation for another day. What it does is it strongly reinforces that sense of belonging, that sense of identity. If you've had that experience, you're suddenly in. And so it, it functions like an initiation ritual in a sense, that you become in in a way you were not in before. It, it's a very private experience, but it's the kind of experience and the expectation for the experience is talked about constantly in the life of the church. And so you're always, you always know, like, I've had that or I haven't. And so once you have it, it's a very powerful uh, sense of this is who I am, I belong here, these are my people, I've sort of crossed through this gate. Yeah, I've had several friends who either grew up Mormon or converted at an earlier age and since have left, one of the things they shared with me that is surprising is that with a couple of these friends, they never really had a testimony. They never had a conversion experience. They never had this firm confidence that the church was true uh, or the Book of Mormon was true. And because of this lack of experiential testimony, they always felt a little bit like an outsider. Um, though they lived in the culture, 
there was this one thing that that made them feel a little bit separated from the rest of their cultural experience. Yeah, that's a great point. That really illustrates what we're trying to say. And then the, the fourth factor that creates this sense of identity is is a common history. So it, you know, it, stories are powerful. And every group, every cultural group has its stories that define how people see themselves in the world. And so the same is true with Latter-day Saints. They value their history. They're steeped in their history. Um, the story of the, the restoration of original Christianity through Joseph Smith, which includes the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, that story is emphasized over and over and over again. Along with that, the, the persecution and the hardships that their ancestors endured, uh, their courageous ancestors, and how they uh, came across the plains um, to from America to the Great Basin to form this theocratic kingdom in Utah and the hardship of that journey and all the challenge of establishing a new home in the desert and all of that, you know, that, that's a powerful formative experience. They didn't experience it directly, but vicariously through their ancestors. Um, and so they see themselves as like a new Israel that's been created by this new Exodus experience. And even though the emphasis is on Utah and coming to Utah, my, I grew up, again, in California, we still celebrated the day, the, the 24th of July, the day that the Mormon pioneers entered Utah. Um, so it's not just limited. The story of Utah and the story of, of the, the founding of the church is really told over and over and over again everywhere, even in the world. And then the related stories of, of missionary stories, stories of heroic church leaders, those stories get told over and over again. They get reenacted in, in public ceremonies and celebrations and at historical sites. You can, you can uh, buy tickets to uh, tour all of the holy sites of Mormonism uh, and so forth. And that, that shared history then helps to contribute to this sense of peoplehood, that I am this, I am them, you know, you, you could say, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about this, this sense of cultural identity, and, and it's a, a way to view uh, LDS people, friends, neighbors, in a different way than maybe in, uh, in a different manner of looking at them through comparative theology or um, some of their specific practices, but as a whole person, the cultural identity. But what does that actually influence about our approach toward them? Yeah, that, that's the ultimate question, right? We want to understand how to, how to serve Jesus in, in this culture. So it's not just academic. Let me tell you a couple stories that kind of illustrated this. Um, back in the early days of our church, this woman started coming to a Bible study group, and, and you, she, she clearly had come to faith in Jesus. Um, you know, her life showed her beliefs and so, but she, but she, but if you asked her, she would say, I'm a Mormon. And so that was a little bit confusing, a little bit disorienting. Wait, wait a minute, you're you're don't you're not a member of that church anymore, and you're coming to you know this body of believers, and you're you're rooted in Christ and so forth. She says, "I'm a Mormon." And then a, a few years later, another young woman came to me, and she'd started attending our church. Uh, she was spiritually seeking, you could tell, and she's a solid Christian now. At the time, you know, she was in that process of growing into that and, and figuring that out. And one day, she took me aside and sat down in a, in, a, in a private room, and she said, look, if I become involved in your church, um, can I still be a Mormon? 
and, and you know, if you didn't understand the identity issues, then you'd immediately say, no, no, you can't. You have to renounce Mormonism. Well, she, she didn't really believe in Mormonism anymore. So in both of those cases, they're using the term to describe a cultural identity, not a doctrinal commitment, not, a, not an ecclesiastical commitment, but she wanted to know, can I still be who I, who I am? Can I, are, are, you going to, are you going to take into account my cultural like, location, I guess you could say? Can I still follow Jesus, but, but still partake of this culture? And so, so that, that was insightful to, be, to know how to handle those, both those situations, to, to know how to, to sensitively steer both of those women into a greater discipleship of Jesus without creating an unnecessary barrier um, to their faith. And so uh, the, those are illustrations of how it could come into play. Now, it can definitely come into play, the identity question, in how we do evangelism and in also in how we disciple people once they have come to faith out of a Mormon background. So I know that, that you've shared your faith a lot with LDS people. Um, have, you, have you seen the identity issue um, come into play in terms of how people have responded to, uh, to the gospel uh, when you've shared it with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I've I've really seen the role that a testimony or personal spiritual experiences have had in a lot of Latter Day Saints, and so that's that's led me to shift some of the ways that I that I speak and communicate the gospel, the good news, with others, and and I'm more willing to share some personal stories or some spiritual experiences that I've had, uh, just to to play on the importance of spiritual experiences that they have in their culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And we're going to actually follow up on that in our next episode and talk about that in a much greater depth. If we understand that that conversion, that experience is so important, then how do we talk about experience? How do we share the truth of the gospel in an experiential framework? Uh, we'll come back to that next time. But yeah, you know, I've seen this... Um, in other places too. So, one one summer when I was in Thailand, uh, Thailand is ninety, like eight percent Buddhist, and and we would share the gospel with their local church there, and people would say, "Well, no, I'm I'm Thai, so I'm a Buddhist. I'm Thai, so it's like their identity. They might may not may not have believed what the Buddhist teachings were. So again, we see something like that in Utah or in Mormon world too. Say, well, I'm Mormon." That's, that's my identity. So therefore, I'm not interested. It, it becomes a buffer to say, well, you know, I don't really want to have this conversation with you. It's just kind of a default to avoid engaging the message. I've seen that happen. And I think we mentioned, touched on earlier how um, this sense of identity is so strong that, that for a person to accept Christ and to you know, follow a, a different, a, a biblical path of faith, can really be seen as a betrayal of, of everything who they are. A betrayal of family, we said earlier, but a betrayal of their heritage, a betrayal of their history, a betrayal of their courageous ancestors, um, uh, you know, that, that, that's just not who they are anymore. Um, so those are challenges, I think, in, in sharing faith with people, understanding that identity. And I think partly it, it helps me to go, look, if I'm sharing Christ with somebody, I have to be aware of the price that they're going to pay to come to Jesus. You know, so I, I so I'm not going to be trivial about it. I mean, earnest about it. 
Um, but as I'm sharing with them, I'm aware that, yeah, this, is, this could take a, a long time for them to process this. I don't always expect an instant um, response. The, con- the arc of conversion can be long in LDS culture because I, I want to be sensitive to this, this sense of like um, leaving behind this deeply rooted sense of identity in order to come to faith in Jesus. So that, that's a factor, I think, in sharing our faith. And it becomes a factor in discipleship, too. Mm-hmm. I found that particularly with the issue of, of baptism, there is a huge uh, difference in understanding between um, a Latter-day Saint who's been baptized into their church and, and a different Christian who has a, a different understanding of baptism. Not that one is baptized into a church, an organization, but rather that one is baptized into Jesus. And it's it's actually taking on a new identity. And so in, in conversations with Latter-day Saints about baptism, it brings up a whole host of other questions and uncertainties uh, and, and trying to re-understand what the role of baptism is as, as almost taking on a new identity. Yeah, and that's a great conversation that we'll have in the future is, is as a church, we practice baptism, we practice the Lord's Supper, the LDS have practices that are analogous or similar to that, and navigating the moving from one to the other and understanding the differences and helping people coming out of Mormonism to understand the differences. But baptism is a great example because it's an, it represents an identity. Some people have told me that when they were baptized into Christ, they also felt like they were being baptized out of Mormonism. That The Bible doesn't say that, but I think there's a legitimacy because, it, you know, the old life is buried. And I rise to a new life, and that and that the old life of Mormonism is buried. So there's this sense of like this is an identity forming act um, on, on our part. So the discipleship issue for a lot of them is like, well, if I'm not LDS anymore, who am I? You know, and am I a Baptist? Am I a Methodist? Or you know, how can we help people to define their identity simply as a Jesus follower? It's easy for a lot of LD, former LDS people to go like, well, I'm a former Mormon. I'm an ex-Mormon. Well, that, that's not good enough, you know, from our perspective. Um, your identity isn't based on who you used to be, but it's on who you become. And so we really want to help in discipleship process. We really want to help these people come from saying, I'm a former Mormon to saying, I'm a Christ follower who happens to have been LDS. Just like I'm a Christ follower, maybe who happens to have been a drug addict, or I'm a Christ follower who happens, you know, to be African American or whatever it might be, you know. So that there's the identity, there's a there's a whole process of sort of deconstructing and reconstructing identity around Christ, and that that that's part of discipleship in in this world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Well, shared experiences. And cultural identity are so important to Latter-day Saints. And their sense of belonging drives much of what they do, believe, and understand about the world. In a later podcast episode, uh, we hope to explore this topic a lot more. Yeah, and we're going to—there's so many aspects of it that we're going to get to. But again, just let me uh, give a teaser for our next episode. We're going to talk about that experiential element— and, and how to take that into account 
when we share uh, the good news of Jesus with Latter-day Saints. Again, this is the Culture Wise podcast where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saint people with wisdom and grace. Thanks for listening.